0: What's up, Liberty Lovers? Today's show is sponsored by our friends at Ammo.com. There's nothing more American than ordering a stockpile of ammunition and having delivered right to your doorstep. But you know what? It gets even better than that. Not only does Ammo.com deliver sweet, beautiful packages of ammunition right to your door, they're also run by libertarians. In fact, you can read an awesome article on their site right now that I've linked to on the show notes page called Locked Up, How the Modern Prison Industrial Complex Puts So Many Americans in Jail. And you know what? It gets even better than that. When you buy at Ammo.com, 1% of every single sale, that's gross sale, not net, goes to a libertarian cause of your choosing that you get to pick at checkout. And the best part, the kicker, through the link ammo.com slash lions of liberty, you get $20 off your order of 200 or more. So support this show, help to spread the ideas of liberty, and buy some ammo to defend your personal liberty. Bam! Welcome to Felony Friday a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Of course, Felony Friday is the show where each and every single week, each and every Friday, I focus on exposing injustice in this nation's broken criminal justice system. This show, Felony Friday, is one of three shows that we have here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. We have a show every Monday hosted by Mark Claire our longest-running show, our flagship program. We're Mark on uh, the format of his show. is He'll do interviews with leaders in the libertarian movement. He'll host roundtable discussions. And every Wednesday, we have a show hosted by Brian McWilliams. It is your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and Liberty every single Wednesday. Brian do uh, doing a, a fantastic job with that show. And this past Wednesday, check it out, Brian had on a, uh, a the woman's name was escaping me, but an expert who's uh, lived in, she was born and raised in Venezuela. She now lives in Washington, D.C. But she, uh, Brian and her talked about the Venezuelan situation, um, all about that. And Brian also touched on the State of the Union address. So very entertaining show. Be sure to uh, check that out. Now, today's episode, of Felony Friday, is the 162nd episode of this show. So that means the show notes page, which there's going to be a lot of stuff on the show notes page today, guys. Tons of articles I'll be talking about. I'm going to be talking about different things trending in the news. am going to play a little Is the Crime at the end. And I'm going to do all of that stuff with just me. That's right. This is a solo show. It'll be about a half hour. Um, really, what happened to be totally honest with you guys, is I have several interviews that, uh, you know, really I have interviews lined up for the next seven or eight weeks and shuffling people in and out, trying to schedule everything, and I wound up with a with a dead spot. I had a very high level, very uh, very big interview that, uh, that fell through for the time being. I'm very hopeful that I will be able to get it back and still do the interview. I don't want to say who it was or what it's about. But I'm hopeful that that interview will still happen in the near future but looking at what I have mapped out over the next six or seven weeks guys um, it's it's some entertaining stuff it's some really good stuff um I'm pretty proud I think we've hit the ground running this year with uh, with felony Friday and the whole lines of Lions of Liberty podcast really excited about the direction of this show direction of the Lions of Liberty podcast of course Mark and Brian both talked about on their shows this past week that. We're going to be starting, remixing we'll in more of our roundtable uh, discussion format, our Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking liquor format. We're going to have it about once a month per show. So that means um, on Mark's show, we'll have once a month in LILDL, Brian's show the same. And then on Felony Friday, it'll uh, probably occur in a uh, Is It a Crime type roundtable. Of course, there'll be some some liquor being drank. It'll be an LILDL, but... It might be a little bit more low key. I don't know. We'll feel it out. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited about that because that is our most popular content. We get the most, uh, the best feedback from those roundtable discussion shows where there's not not a lot of uh, not a lot of thought goes into them. Sometimes shooting off the hip, uh, just talking and, and having a good time. So looking forward to that stuff. Let's get into talking about a couple topics today. I want to start out just touching on the State of the Union. Let me grab a sip of water. State of the Union. So obviously I'm talking about it from a criminal justice point of view, but first of all, before I dig into that, I just want to say overall looking at the way that Trump really was able to use the State of the Union address from a, um, I don't know, messaging standpoint, a persuasion standpoint, whatever you want to call it, I think he did a fantastic job. There were several very, very big moments where I think I think Trump does best when he's uh, you know kind of shooting off the hip when he has his, his rallies and he's just he's just talking you know talking shit to the crowd and having a good time. State of the Union not really in that wheelhouse, and uh, State of the Union more scripted. Obviously, I think Trump's two best moments though were when. Uh, he went off script. One of them had nothing to do with criminal justice reform. When he was pointing out the record numbers of women in the workforce, and then of course uh, <laughs> he played it perfectly: record numbers of, uh, of women in uh, in Congress, and they they went nuts for it. And that visual right there, all the women standing up cheering, uh, cheering Donald Trump, the supposed uh, woman hater and serial abuser, which there's no evidence for. But and I'm I'm not a Trump supporter, but. I I just I just gotta say that. But really I think the biggest moment and the most important moment, really historically and I think even in the current times, I think there's a lot of optimism around this. And that is with when Trump called out Alice Johnson. Alice Johnson, of course, was arrested back in or sentenced, I should say, back in nineteen ninety six. She was a first time offender. She was sentenced to or she ended up serving, excuse me, twenty-two years for conspiracy to possess cocaine, attempted to attempted possession of cocaine, and money laundering, and she has this long sentence. And Trump uh, commutes her sentence. This was, of course, Kim Kardashian got involved, and and that whole thing that happened there, which it was weird when it happened because a lot of people in the criminal justice movement were saying nasty stuff about Kim Kardashian, and she shouldn't be getting involved. But look what that led to. You have Donald Trump during the State of the Union address, the whole nation's watching, and he uh, you know, calls, uh, calls on Al Johnson to stand up and everyone goes, goes wild, goes nuts. And he talks about all of the things she, she did while she was in prison and how fantastic it is uh, for second chances for her to get out of prison and have a second chance to, to be with her family, et cetera, et cetera. Just what a special moment. And to see that, from a Republican president, I mean, imagine turn back the clock to George W. George uh, W. Bush or or his dad George H. W. Bush. I mean, these guys were tough tough on crime conservatives. Never in my wildest dreams did I would I ever imagine a Republican president the state of the union talking about criminal justice reform, talking about the need for second chances to allow these individuals who have been locked away in prison to come back in and contribute to society. And then he didn't stop there. He went, he went, moved on right next to, uh, called on Matthew Charles to stand up. Matthew Charles was the first person to be released due to the First Step Act. And honestly, I did not know a lot about the background of Matthew Charles, and I researched it for this show here today. But this guy, freaking crazy stuff happened to him in the past couple years. So he sentenced, first of all, to 35 years in prison back in 1996. See, 1996 was, was a bad year. That was who was president Back in 1996. Hmm. Let me see if I can remember that. Oh, well, that was Bill Clinton, wasn't it? Yeah, Tough on crime, Bill Clinton. Good old Democrat. The Clinton, <clears throat> Clinton Democrat uh, criminal incarceration machine. Anyway, 1996, arrested on drug-related related charges at the age of 30. And then in 2015, so he has this long sentence, sentence 35 years in prison. Um... In 2015, a federal judge agrees that he deserved a shortened sentence. As a result, he was released in 2016. During his time out, he did not reoffend, but after an appeals court reversed the judge's ruling, Sharp was ordered to serve the full 35 years behind bars. And this is right so right after the First Step Act was was passed into law and signed into law, federal public defenders representing Charles asked for his sentence to be lowered. This was on December 27th, like right after the First Step Act was signed. And he was the first one to uh, to get out, to get a sentence commuted. So it's a, a fantastic story. And I'm hopeful. I did just reach out to Sean Hopwood, um, who very active in the criminal justice uh, community. He's a lawyer. He's a guy that actually was arrested, did time for bank robbery and got out, got his law degree. He's now a professor at Georgetown. I Reached out to Sean because Sean posted a picture on Facebook of him and Matthew Charles. So I sent Sean a message saying, Can "I get Matthew Charles on the show." It's looking positive that uh, hopefully Matthew will be able to come on the show, and hopefully Sean will come on the show because he's uh, he he owes me to come on. I invited him to come on a long time ago, right when he was on sixty minutes. You know what? What else did he have to do? He should have come on instead of going on sixty minutes. This is where this is where stars get made on Felony Friday. All right, moving on. I wanna, you know, one thing I want to do this year, 2019 and beyond, is I want to do a better job keeping you guys updated, keeping you guys informed on what sort of what happens with people I've had on. There'll be some updates on progress they've made or changes in their case. And this is a recent update, so just just back on episode uh, 160 of Felony Friday, I had on Schaefer Cox. And you can find that episode at lionsofliberty.com slash FF160, or just thumb on back in your old iTunes feed there. Schaefer Cox, huge injustice, not going to go into the details to a great extent, but essentially what happened with Schaefer Cox, it was an FBI sting, he was set up, no actual crime was committed, Uh, it was really entrapment, they really kidnapped his whole entire family at one point and had FBI agents all over the place encouraging him to commit crimes, trying to set him up to commit crimes, threatening to murder him if he did not commit crimes. So the whole story is absurd. If you haven't heard that episode, if you don't know the Schaefer Cox story, story, go back, listen. Go to that show notes page, lionswillbree.com slash FF160. All the links are there, making it like a, a Schaefer Cox sort of a archive. But Schaefer does have on his website which his supporters keep going, freeshafer.com. His letters that he writes out of prison are posted in blog format. I want to read um, a little bit from his latest letter that came out on February 5th. So I'm not going to read it word for word. I'm going to jump around, but here we go. So this is from Schaefer Cox. Hi, everyone. I'm trying not to get my hopes up too much, but I can't help it. There is a motion pending in the lower court right now that could have me out as soon as this September if it's granted. He goes on to ask for prayers and uh, saying that he wants to uh, wants to smell the sea and feel the sky and there's a need and I need to be there for my children while well, well, they still are children. He was locked away when his kids were very young. Extremely, extremely sad story. And then goes on to say, the appeals court threw out the government's main theory of the case pointing out that the stuff I supposedly did wasn't even a crime in the first place, but they let the one conspiracy charge stand because there could be some alternative basis for that charge that they were not aware of. So now that we are back in the lower court, we filed a motion pointing out that in light of the appeals court tossing the government's main theory, we now have no way to know what the conspiracy charge is based on. All we know for sure is that what it used to be based on turned out to not be a crime at all. So we we're asking for a new trial on the conspiracy charge. goes on to say then, so if this motion for a new trial is granted, it will put Schaefer back um, as as being arrested, but not yet found guilty. So he'll be in tried, who will be tried like his trial never occurred. So this is a very hopeful time. Um, you know, there is a, uh, you can go to the website, there's a defense fund there, and he thanks people for donating to that. I encourage Everyone, to go, uh, you know, check that out. Check out Schaefer's website, and if you haven't uh, heard that episode yet, go back and check that out. All right, moving on. Up next, I want to talk about a story out of Alabama, Alabama. So, Alabama police officer will not be charged in the fatal shooting of a mistaken gunman. This happened, I think, on Thanksgiving, I'm remembering in the news, and it just came out recently this past week. This officer is not going to be charged. They didn't even identify who the officer was, really. The uh, w- What happened here is there were a couple of individuals that got in a scuffle, and you can go read the article, but to sum it up, a guy by the name of E.J. Bradford was killed uh, by by this officer, and like I said, the officer's name has not been released Bradford was fatally shot by the officer seconds after another man, Aaron Brown, um, allegedly shot twice and wounded 18-year-old Brian Wilson. It's confusing with all the names. The bottom line here is, um, and what a witness said, I'm going to read a witness's statement. They said Bradford was helping out in the situation after the shooting went down. He was armed. I believe he was legally armed at the time. Not 100% sure. They don't really say that in these articles I'm reading on the New York Times and whatnot. But uh, Ashlyn McMillan, who was a witness of the mall shooting, told the New York Times that uh, she considered Mr. Bradford a hero, saying that he directed frantic shoppers to safety and had warned her to get down and seek cover inside a store. So I guess he did that first and then pursued, he chambered around and pursued uh, the perpetrator, the man who had shot um, someone else. And at that point in time when he's coming out, in the mall with his gun drawn, an officer comes onto the scene, sees this, and shoots uh, and shoots and kills mr. Bradford Now, this is a very difficult case, and you know it's easy to have a uh, sort of knee jerk reaction and uh blame the officer here and you know I'm not saying that the officer's not at fault, but it's hard. You know, I think people have to understand that and this goes out to people there that conceal carry and, you know, are are really concealed carrying to protect themselves, protect their family, and to just serve as someone in the community as a, uh, a good guy with a gun. Uh, you have to remember that when police officers arrive on the scene of a crime and they see you carrying a gun, immediately you are assumed to be the shooter. So that's sort of just a fact of life. And, you know, it's it's tough. This is a really tough situation. And I would have to know more about the, the specifics of this case. I have not watched the, the video that's out there. There's some video of, of the shooting. You know, you you'll you'd like to see. And, you know, one thing that comes to mind, I don't want to touch on. So the way police officers are supposed to respond to a crime you know, say if there's a, uh, you know, a store gets robbed or something and a store gets robbed, it's an armed robbery, robbery happens, police officers show up at the end and the perpetrator is running away. If they're running away and nobody else is in harm's way, then they, it's not in their rights to then just shoot the person in the back as they're running away. Sure, pursue them, but unless someone else's life is in danger, um, you know, they they can't assume they showed up late. They're obviously going to pursue the person and try to arrest them, but they can't serve as judge, jury and executioner right there and, you know, they're basically acting acting as all three and executing a person on the spot for a robbery that, you know, there's there's pretty much no due process in that situation. So, I guess to summarize this, it's it's really tough but the point is, we want as much as possible. We want to take we we want due process to happen. Obviously, right? So, officers should be trained in a way that when they when they come to a scene of a crime, when they're assessing a crime, that they are assessing it for those things. Is somebody in danger? Is somebody about to get shot? Is someone about to get killed? Is somebody's life on the line? Is somebody firing at the officers? And if none of those things are happening, they got to calm the hell down. You don't just run in there and start shooting at people, even if somebody has a gun drawn. You don't do that. Get cover, assess the situation, and figure out what's going on. So, you know, do I know if the officer was at fault here? I don't. And maybe that's my fault for not researching it more so, but, you know, You only have so much time when you're running a podcast like this. So I'll link to it on the show notes page, and you can uh, check it out yourself. And as always, this is a good topic to discuss in the Lions of Liberty Forum, uh, our Facebook forum. You can find that on Facebook. Go to the search bar at the top and type Lions of Liberty Forum in there. You can join, and there's great discussions going on all the time. So check that out. Next thing I want to talk about, Hawaii crazy people in Hawaii want to ban cigarettes. You believe this stuff? Very short note here. So Hawaii is flirting with the idea of becoming the first state to ban the sale of cigarettes. They are proposing the ban. They're proposing would really run effectively. They would be banned by 2024. (laughs) So this way this is set up is kind of funny. Um, the ban would go into effect progressively. So this would start next year. And by raising the minimum age for buying cigarettes from 21 to 30. And then two years later, no one under the age of 100 would be allowed to buy cigarettes. So this is, this is just asinine. Um, so they don't understand black markets. Um, they don't understand how black markets work. And this would be an absolute disaster because a lot of people still do smoke cigarettes maybe they roll their own cigarettes you know wh- whatever but there's people out there that still smoke cigarettes I think people forget that there's a lot probably in Hawaii there's there's a lot of people that smoke cigarettes especially in a situation like Hawaii if you bring in a prohibition of cigarettes of an of a uh, of a of a commodity like that, something that is uh, you know has a set market in place already, and you're essentially doing this, what would happen first of all? So first, as they raise the age, the older people would buy the cigarettes and sell them to the younger people. And you know what? At the end of the day, if anybody in Hawaii is over 100, they could make a freaking killing selling the cigarettes back, <laughs> buying cigarettes and selling them back to all the younger people. So if you're getting close to 100 years old and you're a listener to this podcast and this law passes, You might want to consider moving to Hawaii. Great black market opportunity. Wouldn't advise breaking the law, but think about it. But seriously, guys, this is just insane. And libertarians out there understand this. I don't have to explain it. But in case a progressive or a conservative stumbled across this podcast and doesn't understand it, what's going to happen is when you prohibit something, you obviously take it off the market. So the market's still there. There's still people there who want it. So that need needs to be fulfilled. There's still demand, needs a supply. That supply is still going to happen. It's more risky since you're risking arrest. So the people that are attracted to that market, the people who are attracted to filling the uh, orders of cigarettes, people who, uh, who have that need and doing those consensual transactions that are now outlawed and prohibited, those types of people are more uh, a little more risky. You know, they're a willing to take a risk because they want to make some more money. So you're going to bring in more of a criminal element. So what you're going to do is you have a problem right now. You people smoking cigarettes. Maybe they're getting cancer. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're dying. I don't know. It's still their choice. It's their body. It's up to them. At the end of the day, what you're doing is you're taking that small problem that is a personal problem for that individual and you're putting it across the entire society, across the entire state of Hawaii. You're going to bring violence throughout the neighborhoods there. It's insane. So if you don't understand that, I feel sorry for you. It's not that hard. Read a book. I don't know what else to tell you. All right, moving on next. I want to talk about, this is funny, and this is a quick note here, um, O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson interviewed by TMZ. You know, it's always it's always great to hear from O.J. You know, it's he's free again, a free man, O.J. Simpson. Murdered two people. Spent time in jail for something totally unrelated to that. But now he's free, and he's mad at Roger Stone. Why is he mad at Roger Stone? He's mad at Roger Stone for bitching about the FBI showing up at his house like they were raiding uh, you know, a Mexican drug lord, like they were raiding El Chapo or Bin Laden, which is what Roger Stone said, and which is true, and as Brian McWilliams talked about on Electric Liberty Land, um, CNN conveniently was there to film everything. It was like a uh, made-for-TV movie. Perfect. Perfect television for CNN. So Roger Stern, Stone's bitching about that. O.J. Simpson takes exception to that. What does O.J. say? O.J. says when he lived, in, when he got raided in Miami, he says, you know, I got raided in Miami. Thirty-something FBI agents, five o'clock in the in the morning in Miami. I had more. I had uh, more than dogs. I had kids there. They were a little traumatized. <laughs> so and he says, so you know what? Man up. Stop crying. That's Roger Stone. Well, OJ, I think what you did is a little bit worse than what Roger Stone did. What did Roger Stone do? I'm not even sure if Roger Stone committed a crime. All he did was just lie to the FBI. Did he actually commit a crime that he lied about to the FBI? Not that I've really seen. So I think Roger Stone has every right to bitch uh fbi raids his house uh as he talked about it in an interview that i saw he has a a, roger stone's wife is hard of hearing he was very concerned and afraid that the officers were going to come in and try to give his wife orders she wouldn't be able to hear them and they would shoot and kill her i'd be afraid of that too if i was in that situation so you know what oj how about you shut your mouth shut your mouth just be happy you're not in prison because you should be All right, moving on to the next one. Okay, I took some questions in the Lions of Liberty Pride. Actually, you know what? Before we do that, I want to take a quick commercial break for a message from our sponsor today. Are you tired of banging your head against the proverbial wall of politics and getting nowhere toward actually making your life more free? Are you tired of interview podcasts that have the same guests as every other libertarian interview podcast out there? Are you tired of hearing the same news stories that you can hear on the mainstream media? Then you need to listen to The Lava Flow, where we don't do politics and we don't do the major stories that exist only to divide you. We talk about news that affects you and your freedom, and we work to find solutions that can actually help you to be more free. Check us out at thelavaflow.com. Listen to Weird Libertarians at WeArLibertarians.com. My name is Chris Spengel, and I host a show where we talk about the stories you and your friends are talking about, and then we give you libertarian solutions so you sound smarter when you're talking to your friends. We're gonna make you sound like a genius. Tune in now at WeRLibertarians.com. Are those dry, boring, run-of-the-mill political talk shows putting you to sleep on your commute or at work? Are you ready for some fun? <laughs> well, Always launching ideas in your direction. All right, and we're back, and I took a couple questions from the Lions of Liberty Pride. I said I was doing a solo show, and as always, the Lions of Liberty Pride came through. All oh, my brothers in the lines of Liberty Pride. First up, Bobby Wilson. He asked if James Fields was railroaded. Uh, he said there's a lot of evidence seem seemed to support manslaughter rather than first-degree murder. So for those that don't remember, James Field was the Charlottesville protester who drove a car through a crowd, killing a woman and injuring 40 people. And I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't followed this trial closely. I know that He was, uh, yeah, convicted convicted first degree murder in the attack. And I don't believe the sentencing has happened yet. But uh, so the question is, and of course, I remember videos from the point from when this happened, when this occurred, you know, I remember seeing the car. This was before he ran the car into the crowd, killing the woman. But this is back on a side street. There's people banging on the car with bats and things like that. And. So the question with, as I understand it, I'm not a lawyer, so please consult a lawyer if you want a legal opinion. But the way I understand it, really when it comes to first-degree murder, the difference in manslaughter is intent. Obviously, the intent is uh, is first-degree. The manslaughter would be sort of uh, negligence, um, not preplanned. So it's, it's hard for me to say that it's not preplanned or not, and it's you know it's i think it's hard for the court to say even in a situation like this but just looking at the amount of people that were injured and especially when you look at the fact that he ran from the scene of the crime he fled um probably injuring more people as he fled you know it's it's hard and i you know you can say that he was he felt threatened people were banging on his car and he thought he maybe he was maybe in danger you have to weigh so was his reaction the appropriate response to the danger he felt, I would say no. Um, killing someone when, he, I, you know, I, I have a hard time thinking that uh, his life was in danger right then. Maybe he was scared, but uh, I don't think his life was in danger. And responding by acting recklessly and uh, and killing someone, it's it's hard to it's hard not to. I mean, it's hard to feel bad for the guy. I definitely don't feel bad for the guy, but. If you drive a crowd into if you drive a car into a crowd of people, you're probably going to kill somebody. So I think that's where the first degree murder charge comes from. Not that I don't understand where you're coming from, Bobby. And I think you know this would be maybe an interesting discussion for me to bring a lawyer on to talk about a case like this and some other cases. Because, like I said, I'm not a lawyer. I just play one on uh, on the podcast space. All right. Next up. Um, Talking about a new Virginia bill that would force those who kill law enforcement to be killed or spend life in prison. This was brought to my attention in the Pride by Lee Latorno. Lee, Lee Am I saying that right? I don't know. I don't speak French. Sorry, Lee. Um, I can say Lemieux. It's the only French word I know how to say. Mario Lemieux. Um, all right, so... This is SB, I think actually, I think Lee's a Flyers fan, so it's even funnier. I didn't even realize that. Uh, this is uh, SB 1501 and would make it impossible to reduce or amend a charge of capital murder for a person charged with the crime. Those convicted could spend life in prison or face the death penalty. The bill's moving closer to becoming law after a 35 to 3 vote this past Monday. So, looks like this is going to happen. And the issue I have here is the issue. Really, with any um, death sentence or any life sentence is um, is the person actually guilty so you know that unfortunately, in our system today on death row with capital punishment, there's a lot of people on death row there's been a lot of people who have been um, killed, who have gotten the death penalty. Who it's been found later they were indeed innocent. So that is the reason why I'm always against the death penalty. Our system, uh, criminal justice system, is terrible in this country. And, you know, a lot of people think when it comes to cops that they always get it right. I don't know if they do. I don't think they always get it right with regards to anything. So I would be against this law based on that alone. Um, on top of that, I think it's important to note with a law like this, this is just farther placing police officers on a pedestal above the rest of society, which I think is complete and total garbage, because police officers should have the exact same rights as you or I have, because we're both human beings, uh, we're both individuals, and we should have the exact same rights under the law. A police officer should not have a, you know, the same thing we have to do with hate crimes or different things like that. Uh, you know, you don't get different punishments based on, you know, the color of the skin, who, uh, whose rights you violate, or where they live, or what their position of, of power is, or, or whatever, things like that. We got to get rid of pedestals. We got to stop putting different classes of people, different jobs on pedestals. All right, rant over. Lastly, before I conclude the show, I want to play America's fastest growing game show. I'm going to play with myself. Is it a crime, and should they do time? Is it a crime? Should they do time? Or do you think they'd learn their lesson from a hefty fine? Is it a crime? Should they do time? And since we have to ask the question, is the system down or out of line? In today's edition of is to a crime and should they do time is brought to you by the homesteads and homeschools podcast <laughs> actually it's not really i'm just being a nice guy and giving my friend ben panji who recommended these two stories giving him a free plug for his new podcast which just started but uh, i do recommend he's a member of the lions of liberty pride a good friend of the show definitely check out his podcast it's good i've listened to it i'm a subscriber um, check it out. If you're into homesteads, if you're into gardening, stuff like that, if you're into homeschooling, I know Ben homeschools his kids. He's bringing on you know other individuals who homeschool their children. Check it out. It's a libertarian's dream. Um, first story that Ben sent me out of London, Karl Marx has a grave in London. I did not know that. I don't know why Karl Marx, who is German, I'm almost 100% sure, has his grave in London, but he does. Uh, Let me get a sip of a beverage there. And uh, his grave was vandalized. It was a suspected hammer attack. Uh, So this is actually more of a... I believe more of a a monument than a grave. I think there was an original grave there and they made it into a monument. So yeah, yeah. This... uh, It was a marble plaque which was taken from the original gravestone in uh, 1883 and put on a 1954 monument. So... I didn't take the time to look in the history of this monument and how it was funded, but I would assume that there was some public funding maybe involved in this monument. Maybe not, but assuming it's a publicly funded monument, this takes us into the tragedy of the commons, obviously, um, you don't want people damaging property, but who owns the property? Now, if it's an individual or an institution that owns it, then absolutely, it's easy. Um, It's a crime, and yes, that institution should be reimbursed. If it's not, if it's the government that owns it, you know what? The government shouldn't be putting up monuments. So I have no sympathy for that. And I'm sorry. Take down the monument. That's what I would say to that. know, I, mean, I, I don't think the government should be putting up monuments, especially to Karl Marx. But with that being said, I do not promote vandalism of government property. You know why? Because it's stupid and you could end up going to prison. So don't vandalize government property. But at the end of the day, there shouldn't be any government property. So there's your solution. All right, last thing. And we got this is a, an interesting one. This is a tough one. So we're going to go all the way over to India for this. Vijitadaiwa. I don't know how to say that. India. Vijitadaiwa, India. A, a small town in India. So this is the Super Bowl of cockfighting. Uh, roosters wearing razors and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. Birds worth as much as $700 are trained to fight. They're trained year-round to fight in this Super Bowl of cockfighting. Uh, one breeder described the described feeding his roosters to train, part of the training regimen, special diet of millet, sorghum, cashews, and lizard meat. Chickens eating lizards. See? Chickens are freaking dinosaurs. I don't care what you say. They're dinosaurs. They're eating lizards. Lizards or dinosaurs? Dinosaurs eating dinosaurs? I don't know. Anyway, continuing on. Each event involving dozens of fights lasts up to three days and draws thousands of people. So, in fact, this year they even had drones that were uh, hovering over to record the fights and project the fights on uh, on Jumbotron or, uh, you know, big screen type things. Probably not actual Jumbotrons. Um... No police anywhere. The police say they try to stop it before it starts with education and blah, blah, blah. They're probably getting paid off. So what's, what's, I mean, is this a crime here? That's the question. You know, people might disagree with me here. And I'm not necessarily in favor of cockfighting or any sort of animal fighting. In fact, I'm very much against it, opposed to it. I don't think it's good. But individuals own their animals. And I think the best way to combat against something like this is not by having a government decree saying cockfighting is illegal or dogfighting is illegal or whatever it is. But I think the best way to handle this in a more free society, and Mark Claire's talked about this before, is it's more of a city-state solution, a community-based solution where communities would be making these rules um, with the consent of the people who live in them. So what you would get is groups of people who don't want this type of stuff happening in their community would be living together. So would you have stuff like this happen on the outskirts? You would. Um, But I don't think that, I mean, obviously it's happening now anyway. Uh I just think it's a uh, it's sort of like the, the shining beacon theory. When people say America is the shiny beacon on the Hill, it's the community being a shiny beacon, a model society and really it's, I mean, it go the way for everything, from, from cockfighting to gun ownership to, to protecting all your individual rights. But at the end of the day in India, this is ingrained in their culture. And until you change that, you're not going to get rid of cockfighting. And just like in other societies, other uh, countries have bad dogfighting problems, or like in Spain, they have the running of the bulls. It's in their culture. And until you get it out of the culture, you're still going to have it, even if you prohibit it. So that is a wrap of that. So what would I say? I guess that's, I would say, not a crime. Just reorganize the way you, you do things to, to make it more libertarian. I don't know. Was that a cop-out? might have been. So hopefully you guys enjoyed today's solo show and, you know, next week I'll be back on with a guest. I have, I think, six or seven guests lined up for the next uh, month or so, m- month and a half, I guess. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the direction of the show. I'm excited about, like I t- mentioned at the top, our new uh, – each of our shows is going to have a roundtable-type show uh, once a month. That's exciting stuff. But more than anything, I am excited about the new bonus content that we have here in the lines of Liberty Pride which you can find by joining at patreon.com slash lines of liberty. And we have a new show. It is called the Legion of Liberty Doom. And it is, you know, I'm not going to say it's in direct competition or we're trying to one up the, yeah, you know, there's a group out there that called themselves the League of Liberty. I'm not even sure who's in it. Uh, yeah, a couple people. But they produce some bonus content, you know, like once every uh, five months they come out with the show. Myself and my fellow uh, DOOM members, as we like to call ourselves, we decided we wanted something for the people. We wanted to bring something really, really cool to the people, and we wanted to do it frequently. And it's going to be the best produced show out there. It's going to be fun. It's going to be informative. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be hosted by a bunch of uh, libertarians who love to have a good time. So who's on it? Myself. Brian McWilliams, Howie Snowden. You got your three lines of liberty. You can't beat that. And we're bringing in Dan Smotts from the System is Down podcast. If you haven't subscribed to that, check it out. And Remzo Martinez from the Remzo Martinez Experience. If you haven't heard of that one, check it out. So we'll be doing content whenever you feel like it. So join the pride and check it out. But that is a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, give me some feedback. Send me an email, john at lionsofliberty.com. Hit me up in the Lions of Liberty form, or just find me on Facebook. And uh, that's it, guys. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.